welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and this week my guest is Sarah Brooks. You will not need your Kleenex for this episode. We laugh a lot, we have a lot of fun, and I could listen to Sarah tell stories literally all day long. I knew who Sarah was from college because we went to the same university, but in the last few years, a friend directed me to her blog, and she is my favorite combo of hilarious and wise. So naturally, I follow her now and thought she'd be a blast to have on the show. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life. Oh, man. <laughs> who I am? Well... Um, I'll give you the facts about my current life. That is that I'm a wife to a guy I met the first day of college. That was neat. Are you you really met him the first day? Oh yeah, the first day I stepped foot in Texas. Oh my goodness, yeah, because you're from Tennessee originally, right? Yes. Okay. So I met him the first day, and I thought, I think I'm gonna want to know you better. <gasps> oh. and, and yeah, and we started dating about a week into college. So that's how that happened. Sarah, I didn't know that. Yeah, we were that couple, and neither one of us wanted to be that couple. That's very <laughs> funny about it. That is very funny. And then um, we got married, and we came back here, and we... Which where is here? We are in Fort Worth, That's Texas. right, okay. Mm-hmm. And we had three boys in pretty quick succession, also not something I was anticipating. Yeah, I think you had three before I had one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I had three before any of my friends had one. <laughs> And yeah, that's a, you know, if if I take a look at my five-year plan post-college and I compare it with reality, it's just hysterical. (laughs) But it's, I mean, it's totally, you can see God's goodness throughout, you know, he, he has divine timing that was not at all my timing and it's been amazing. Yeah. Isn't that good? So yeah. So I stay home with my boys primarily. One of them's in school. The other two are preschool age. What are their ages again? They are seven, almost five, and three. Okay. Way to go, mom. I know. My (laughs) oldest turned four the day before my third was born. Okay. So there's exactly four years. We crammed three kids in four years, and it was exciting. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love preschool. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I love my children. I really love preschool, and my heart has room for both of those things. That's right. (laughs) I love that. So, yeah. So I primarily stay home with them. It's amazing to get to do that. Mm-hmm. And as an aside, I do some speaking and teaching different places and volunteer with a cool couple cool organizations. And I got a degree in marketing and I don't do anything with that now, but I love what I'm doing way more. So Isn't that, that great? Was- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's so great. Okay, so I do, I'm going to have a lot more questions. But first, the first question I like to ask every guest is to tell us a random fact that not a lot of people know. So what is a random fact about you, Sarah Brooks, that not a lot of people know? Random fact. Um, when I was four years old, I sat in a fireplace. I fell in a fireplace. I didn't really like choose to sit in it, but I <laughs> fell in it. So I got this gnarly burn on the back of my leg. and. Oh. The funny thing is, I was so proud of it growing up. What? I thought it was the coolest thing because nobody else had one. Yeah. 
Way to go. That says a lot about your personality. <laughs> I feel like it just was a good distinguisher, you know? And when I was little, people would ask about it. And now that I'm older, they probably just think I'm deformed and they don't. I just feel like <laughs> nobody asks about it anymore. They kind of just look at it sideways and move along. Move on. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you remember it hurting? Oh, yeah. I remember... I remember like the aftercare, this is about to be, I'm not going to go into the graphics of it, but like aftercare of a burn, I remember that. It's Ugh. terrible. Because they have to like, what do they call it? Debring where they like scrape yes. it off. Ugh. Yeah, you have to sit in the bathtub and let it soak and then just rip it off. And, oh, it's so bad. That sounds miserable. I know. That was a weird fact. I don't know why that was the first thing that <laughs> yeah, popped up. It's a really weird one. Usually they're not yeah, from that far back. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I just. I don't know. That was weird. It is. It's random. It's good. That's perfect. That's the perfect answer. Yeah, that's what you asked for. <laughs> yeah. I want you to also share a random story that I happen to know because I follow you on the World Wide Web. And I know about the time that your four-year-old thought that he grew a tattoo. And I want you to tell that story. Oh, man. It's probably one of my parenting highlights. <laughs> so my husband has a tattoo on the inside of his arm. And he's had it ever since our kids were born. And my four-year-old one day started, I saw him in the bathroom putting on men's deodorant furiously. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? And he said, I'm trying to grow a tattoo. And I said, what? And he goes, you know how daddy puts on deodorant and he grew that tattoo? And, <laughs> and that's when I realized he thought that the deodorant caused the tattoo, you know, because yeah. it's right next to his armpit. Right. And so for months, months, Kara, he put on deodorant. and. <laughs> We kept laughing about it. And then one day I thought, why are we not helping this process? Yeah. So Give the man waited. a tattoo. Right. So I waited until he went to bed. So my husband's tattoo is just four Hebrew letters. Okay. And I waited until my son went to bed that night and I drew the first of the Hebrew letters on his arm. And when he woke up the next morning, I was like, oh, buddy, have you checked your arm today? And he looked and screamed and showed everybody oh and oh, yeah over the next four nights we just we completed the tattoo we just kept drawing each letter every day so and good. my friends were like how are you gonna let him down I mean he's gonna be really sad when this <laughs> tattoo doesn't last and it was shockingly easy I just said you know tattoos really don't they don't stay on until you're older and he was like oh cool and that was the end of it. <laughs> oh cool <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's amazing because also that means you can draw another one on him at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he just it made perfect sense. He wasn't sad about it. He was just like, "Well, and I think he even said, "Well, at least we know I can grow one." <laughs> <laughs> at least we know my body works, right? Oh my goodness. Sarah, that's so funny. Do you do like just are you just fun like that all the time? <laughs> we you know, I think if cameras were in our house, I don't know if it would be funny or disturbing or both. But yeah, <laughs> we love to prank each other and to do bizarre things with each other. That is definitely, <laughs> we have a lot of laughter in this home. That's and it's good. not always appropriate, but. That's <laughs> good. Laughter is the best medicine. It really, it's the best parenting trick is laughing, honestly. You know, okay, that segues into the very first thing I wanted to tell you was that um, the first time I knew that you had a blog was right after I'd had my first, you had just had your third. And my friend Jessica Mayfield, who's also been on this podcast, she sent me a text just encouraging me because I think I had like a three week old at that point, which is right in the middle of like, what 
did I just do? Yes. Like they're not as fun as they're cracked up to be. Yeah. That's really hard. Lots of hormones and you have no idea what you're doing. So she sent me this post that you had just posted and it starts out with these hilarious pictures of you and your your littlest boy, like he's losing his mind crying and you're just taking funny pictures in photo booth that like destroy (laughs) your faces. And you're like, but the whole premise of the post is that like people were always asking you, I don't know how you're doing three kids. I can't even do one or it's so hard just doing one. And you're like, actually doing one is the hardest because your life has just turned, your world has turned upside down. So it's all about encouraging these first time moms. And I remember I was like eating chocolate chip, chocolate chips as I'm reading this. And in there, you're like, it's okay if you're binge eating chocolate chips. And I was like, (laughs) I feel so known right now. (laughs) It was awesome. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Three in a lot of ways is easier than one for sure. Which is just crazy to think about. But actually now having two, I'm like, oh, the first time you have a newborn, they're not easy. But then after that, you're like, all this thing does is eat and sleep. This is great. They can't go anywhere. They can't talk back to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the best part. And then they, I mean, that's why they have siblings so that they can play with each other and yes. not you. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. Go play with your brothers is the best gift I could give them and myself. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Okay. So tell me about your blogging and speaking. I know you do some training at schools. How did that all start? So when I was staying at home with my oldest, he was probably seven or eight months old. And I love being a mom, but I also love people. And being a stay-at-home mom can be pretty isolating. Yeah. So I, I started a prayer. I just started praying and asking God to use my gifts. And to be honest, I didn't even really know what my gifts were. Mm-hmm. I knew what I liked to do and I knew maybe what I was good at, but I didn't think specifically use these gifts in, in whatever way you can. But that was kind of my prayer. It was, it was just kind of an open-ended in this season of life, being a stay at home mom, I want to use my gifts, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I remember we were, we were volunteering with our student ministry at church. We still do that a lot. And I had a blog already, but it was not a thing. It really was just like a dinky family blog with pictures of my kid that nobody actually wanted to see. That's what my blog was. Yeah. So we were volunteering with the student ministry at our church. And I started noticing how many parents were confused by social media and how many teenagers were frustrated because their parents were confused by social media. And I was I was kind of seeing some of these trends play out. And I thought, wow, these parents have not been on social media. They don't understand it. And because of when I grew up, I grew up as social media was rolling out. And so I had this insider information. I mean, I was, I was kind of bilingual in a sense where I remembered without social media and I grew up on it. So I kind of knew both worlds and could could help fill that gap a little. Right. So I I just remember God kept putting this on my heart. Like, you need to write a post about this. But I thought, I'm not going to write about social media. What do I even know? But he just would not let go of this. And so I finally wrote this post. And when I published it, I thought, I don't even know who's going to read this. I don't really know why I did this. But and basically, the concept of of that post was how kids today, they're they're worth can be quantifiable. So Mm. it seems 
Mm-hmm. You know, they have a number of likes, a number of followers, a number of retweets. They have numbers that we did not used to have. We used to know someone was popular. We didn't know to what extent they were. And we didn't know how much more popular they were than us. And it's oh, just yeah. different. It's a ranking system it's, now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a ranking system. And it's scary when you're thinking about your kid's heart. Mm, so yeah. I address some of this stuff. Just, hey, parents, I'm not sure if we've thought about this, but just FYI. And I published it. It went viral. Wow. It just went viral. And I started getting emails. I mean, millions of views shared all over the place. I started getting emails from people all over the world. I got phone calls from people who said, hey, we've read your expert opinion on social media. We'd like to invite you to our conference to speak. You can bring any books you've written on the subject. (laughs) You're like, uh. And I was like, home, I wasn't wearing pants when I wrote that. So I was nursing a baby. Yeah, I just, I kept saying, as the words were coming out of my mouth, I'm telling these people, oh, that's not something I do. And at the same time, I hear God saying, oh, P.S., this is something we are going to (laughs) do. So it, oh my goodness, he took me on this journey of I was going to schools and conferences and I was training all of the counselors for Fort Worth ISD. And I'm standing in front of them thinking there's no reason I should be here. Absolutely no reason, except that God has a message he's wanting to get out. And for some strange reason, he's using me. So let's do this, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And it was so great. And it was one of the most meaningful times in my faith of knowing, wow, you know me, God, like Mm -hmm. you don't, you love me. Sure. You love everybody, but you also know me never Mm -hmm. in a million years would I have known that something I nerd about anyway, I love social media. I I actually get paid to just chat about it. That's a thing you can do, yeah, you know? Right. You wouldn't have known to ask for that. No, I wouldn't have known. And I didn't even know I loved doing it. I didn't know I loved public speaking. I didn't know I loved, you know, yeah. oh my goodness. So it kind of over the years has morphed also into, it started with social media a lot. And now it's morphed into, you know, a lot of churches and a lot of, um, teen conferences and women's conferences and like general faith speaking. Yeah. That's, that's not a term. Yeah. But I know what you mean. (laughs) But yeah, it's been amazing and such a sweet, like he answered my prayer so much bigger and so much sweeter than I, I even knew to ask, you know? Right, Right. And what's so great about when he answers your prayer is that you cannot claim it. There's nothing I did. Nothing I, you know, tried to orchestrate myself. It is all him. And that is the best place to be. You know, people ask, what's next for you? I have no idea, but I love being in that spot because I know that God does and he has way better plans than me anyway. Right. Okay. So you, you blog, you speak, you are a mom of three kids, which in and of itself is a full-time job. You volunteer some at the church and then with a couple other organizations and you're welcome to like go into that too but it seems like and again I'm only seeing you through a very small lens of social media it seems like you guys pour your lives into things that matter and I'm wondering like how do you determine what those things are how do you decide what stays and what goes and decide like how to allocate your time and energy that's a really good question I think one of the things 
one of the traits that is biggest to me is intentionality. And I think you can be intentional in every situation in life. You just have to choose it. You have to be looking for how to be intentional and then you have to choose it. So, you know, raising our kids, we're very intentional with finding ways to serve with them and to teaching them, you know, I, I don't care how they do in school academically. I don't care. I don't care if they make all A's or if they flunk. Well, okay, if they flunk, it might be a problem. But <laughs> yeah, I don't care how their academics are nearly as much as I care how they're treating their classmates. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make all A's, but you're a jerk, I have a problem with that. Yeah. So we're really big on, we kind of have these family words that are core to our beliefs you know, kindness and respect and love and joy is a big one for us. And we try to incorporate that anywhere we can, but it also really drives where we spend our time. Yeah. Like over Christmas, we have a Christmas motto and it's, um, our, our Christmas motto this year was look for Jesus and love others. It was really cool. But in everything we did, we looked for Jesus and we loved others. So if there was an activity that drained us that we didn't see Jesus and we were not loving others because we were cramming ourselves so full, we would, we would not do that. Right. But yeah, as far as the places we volunteer, that's been another whole other God story of just saying, you know, where can we, what does that look like? And you do that with your kids? Some service stuff we do. There are other things that I'm involved in, which is funny because it's not like I have tons of free time. But, yeah, right. That's why I'm but, like, right, how do you do all this stuff? I know. Last year, I told my husband I wanted to start volunteering when the kids were at preschool. She was like, are you insane? That's the only 10 hours of the week that you can do anything. I was like, I know. I just, I don't know. I want to, I want to do something meaningful. Yeah. I do so, feel like, yeah, that, and that's, I guess that's what I'm seeing from afar is it does feel like you do things things that mean something like things that have lasting meaning. And I guess like for me, I'm like, man, I don't even know when I would sit down and think like, what's our Christmas motto going to be? <laughs> or, you know, like, yeah, I, I like, is it something that just comes naturally to you? Or do you, yes. do you, okay. I think it comes naturally to me for sure. Also, cool. let's go ahead and say, you're the one saying you don't know how you'd have time for that. And we're sitting here doing a podcast that you're just creating from home to encourage other women. So <laughs> sure, you find time for the things that yeah, it's true. Yeah. And you like my, my meaningful looks different maybe, but oh my word, you're telling me this is not meaningful. This is awesome. What yeah, you're doing. Cool. Thank you. Well, okay. So I do want to hear about the volunteer stuff. Yeah. The, the organizations you volunteer with. So I started volunteering with two organizations this past year that are probably one of the most meaningful decisions I've made. Hmm. One of them um, is an organization called Valiant Heart, and they help women in the sex industry. Okay. They do it a lot of different ways. They actually rescue women abroad. Um, they set up counseling and safe houses for them once they've been rescued. And stateside, they do an outreach night every quarter where they go into strip clubs and they pass out goodie bags and they look women in the eyes because there's a lot to look at other than their eyes. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) you make eye contact and and nothing else. And and just tell them they're loved and invite them to the support group they do. 
And it's been one of the coolest things I do because you, you know, you sing the song Reckless Love. There's no mountain you won't climb up, shadow you won't light up coming after me. It's easy to sing that. But when you actually see Mm. God lighting up the shadows of a place like a strip club, Mm. and when you see him kicking down walls to, to show women that think they're worthless, that they are so worthy. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's it's a blast. And it's also just crazy. I mean, I go clubbing once a quarter. <laughs> I love it. And I walk away like last time my husband has asked me how it went. And I was like, great. This girl got, uh, she got her private pierce and she showed me. <laughs> and it was nice. You know, and I'm like, oh, my, 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 Um, like full nude hugs from lots of women. And it's amazing. Super amazing. It's great. That and one of the coolest things about the outreach night is that the group that goes out, there's probably 20 of us that actually go out. There's four different routes in Dallas, Fort Worth, because Dallas, Fort Worth is one of the largest population of I don't know how to say that of clubs. Yeah. Okay. In the U.S. And so of the women that go out on outreach, maybe a quarter to half of them were in the club. They got out. They sought a lot of help and, and counseling and they found Jesus and their lives have been transformed. And now they're going back in. Wow. And so a lot of times you're partnered with a girl who was there. You know, one of the women who went this last time, she was able to get out of the industry because of one of the post-it notes that we bring in. We just write these post-it notes that say, you're loved, you know, you're enough. And she kept them all. And one day it came on a day that she was like, I'm done. Mm. I'm not, I'm going to end my life tonight. As soon as my shift is done, I can't do this anymore. And then in walks Valiant Hearts and gives her a post-it. And here she is now, years later, going back do the same thing so it's been amazing wow that is so cool it's like I don't even know like organizations like that exist so I know and it you know I think it's really easy to just stick with your crowd and to stay in the burbs and to be comfortable at least it is for me yeah and getting out of your comfort zone it's it's like you can taste grace and not that it's not here but when you see the link God will go to rescue his people. It's really amazing. Okay, friends, quick break to tell you about a cool way you can help this podcast keep going. Patreon is a place where you can become a patron of the arts, so to speak, and pledge a certain dollar amount for each episode I release. So right now I release an episode every other week. So if you pledge $1 per episode, that's $2 a month to help keep this podcast going. You can set a monthly maximum so that you're sure to never go over your budget, but it's just a way to help make this podcast happen without running ads. And just to give some background, it typically takes me about 20 hours per episode from start to finish. So I typically pay around $180 in childcare to edit and produce each episode. I'm happy to do it. Our family is happy to do it. And we can do that right now. But if we can start getting some pledges, it will just help make this more sustainable. Right now, I'm planning to release through episode 24. And then I'll take a break to just reevaluate if this is where I still need to be spending 
my time and energy. So if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash headed someplace. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash headed someplace. Also, if any of you want to volunteer some time to, let's say, write the episode show notes or something like that, that would be a great time saver for me. So go to headedsomeplace.com and send me an email. Let me know you're available to do that. Um, or you can connect with me on Instagram at Z. That's K-A-R-A-D-A-W-N-Z. We just did our first giveaway on Instagram last week, and it was so fun. And so I may do some more of those coming up. So head over to Instagram at Z and say hi to me. Let me know you are listening to the show. Okay, so I want to jump topics for a minute back yes. to um, parenting your boys. Okay, so yes. I want to know what are some of your favorite things about raising kids and some of the most scary things about raising kids or hardest things about raising kids? Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> <laughs> favorite thing about raising boys or kids. Well, yeah. that's my favorite thing is that I have boys. Yes. I, you know, I just never really dreamed about what my family would look like. I had no idea what it would look like, uh, but I didn't think it would be three boys. Yeah. And boys are nuts. <laughs> really are. nuts. It just, it never stops. They never stop moving. They never stop screaming they never stop they're so physical I mean no matter where you go they'll just walk by a wall and kick it or something and you're like what are you doing <laughs> they just they're always punching or kicking or you know yeah and but they're a blast they are so fun yeah. we have the most fun and we get so dirty but people look at us like we are an actual traveling zoo when we go <laughs> because you kind of are kind of are yeah they'll you know there'll be like a little old lady who will come up and start to say cherish every moment and then she'll watch my four-year-old like spike the can of green beans on the ground on aisle four and she's like never mind (laughs) yeah yeah, my favorite things man I don't know we just play hard yeah uh so one of the greatest things about raising boys is that we get to raise them with kindness and with gentleness and they are warriors of things like peace and Mm. they are warriors of love and they are valiant Mm. and a lot of these traits that you want in a man we get to instill that in our little boys now and watch it grow and it's one of the coolest things in the whole world and I have a million stories of times when it it feels like you're not really making a difference and then you turn around and you you see that God has taken the seed you've planted and grown it in your son's heart and it's just amazing Mm. but on the flip side one of the hardest things to me about raising boys right now in 2019 in this culture is that it feels like we are in an increasingly anti-male culture. Hmm. We don't say that, but a lot of times what happens is, is when we're trying to create equality for men and women, we do that at the expense of men. Yeah. Belittling. Right. So we don't just raise women. We push men down. Hmm. And I'm not okay with that. As a woman, yeah, I do want to be equal. And there are things that I will fight for for that. But that does not mean that you have to take down my whole family to get there. Mm, That's right. That's good. 
it's it's weird raising boys in a time when everything you see is kind of trying to strip them of maleness. We're moving to this gender neutral thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when you're teaching them to be strong and to be valiant, you just don't see that on display in our culture. Yeah. And it, it feels like a concept that is becoming antiquated or, or even people are hostile towards it or I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just a crazy world. Yeah. It's also scary to raise boys in a culture that is so saturated with sex. I mm -hmm. mean, every, it's everywhere. You used to find it in magazines at your friend's parents' house and now it's in your pocket. Yeah. Right. It, you go, you send your kids to a friend's house and it's on their Xbox, on their phone, on their Kindle, on their iPad, on their it's everywhere. And the amount of, you know, I do enough social speaking to parents to know right. I'm terrified of how poorly we're monitoring and helping them navigate. And it scares me with my own boys. Yeah. We are on top of the technology stuff, but I feel like anywhere I send them, I want to know, okay, what's your technology game plan in this home? Because you know, <laughs> yeah. so, um, that's good though. It's better. I mean, proactive. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy raising boys when they're taught they really shouldn't be boys. They should either be more like women who are strong or just kind of neutral. And I'm not about that. Yeah. I got boys, man. And boys are awesome. And they're very, very different than girls. Yeah. And it's okay to be boys. And that does not take away from me being a girl. Yeah, it's hard when you see all these women's movements and there you see the posters about like women are the future. Maybe also, I think, can we just both be? I don't know. Yeah. Is that an <laughs> or can you we know? just both be? I love it. Yeah. Can, can it just be like people are the future? Is that a thing? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Okay. I do want to jump back into the monitoring technology thing. What are some things that you recommend to parents? I think the biggest thing, this is going to sound like not a great answer, but I think it's the most important mm -hmm. is we have to evaluate what we are doing first. I think we love to point fingers at teenagers who are using their devices constantly while we don't know how to shut off work emails. Right. <laughs> and it's the same thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, or when we're allowing technology to not just aid us in not being bored, when we can't go without getting on it when we're bored, mm -hmm. but when we then do that for our kids too, because technology is a great babysitter. Let's yeah, be honest about yeah, that. You yeah. know, I turn on the TV and my boys are comatose and I kind of love it. <laughs> but if they cannot learn how to be bored and if they cannot function without having that, mm -hmm. I have to look at myself too. Can I function without having this? Yeah. So we have times and places that we are technology free in our house. That's a big thing for us. Okay. Yeah. So at good. night I charge my phone in the kitchen and I stop looking at texts about nine and forget. Sometimes I forget to check it until like 10 in the morning and it's amazing. Um, we don't do it when we're out at restaurants or at the table eating dinner. I delete all my social apps on the weekends and that has changed my life. Whoa. It's a habit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a habit I got into a little over a year ago, and it's been so amazing. Oh, yeah. I bet, like, at the beginning of this conversation, I'm like, how do you have time for stuff yet? I find plenty of time to post pictures on Instagram oh, right? and look exactly. at people's stories. Yeah, yeah. I bet yeah. you just get so much time back doing that. 
you get so much time back. And more importantly, your sanity is restored. You know, social media is really, really loud. Yeah. My son just, my little four-year-old, we're working on memorizing alphabet scriptures. So for every letter of the alphabet, he memorizes a verse that corresponds. And his verse this week was, quiet words of the wise are more effective than the rantings of a king of fools. Whoa. You have to say that again. Okay. Quiet words of the wise are more effective than the rantings of a king of fools. Wow. Yeah. Kind of deep. But. I'm like, this is why I delete my apps on the weekends because the loudest voice is not always right, but I listen to a lot of loud voices. And so when I force myself to unplug, that's when I'm hearing the quieter voices, which are sometimes wiser. And it forces me to actually reach out to my friends, you know, instead of wondering how something went and checking their story, I actually text them. It's amazing. (laughs) What's that like? No, I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. That's so good. And the other thing, too, with social media is that it is skewed reality or it's edited reality. You know, it's like. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is easy to to take all that in and think like the only thing that the Brooks do are have fun with their kids and teach them memory verses. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Or whatever. I don't really actually, I don't, I don't think that about y'all when I look at your social. But one thing my mom would always tell us, if we would say, like, I'm bored, she'd say only boring people get bored, which is, which I thought was funny. But she would also (laughs) say, she would also say, like, being bored is a gift to be able to use your creativity. It's like an opportunity to use your creativity. I know. I'm like, oh, it does make you more creative. I mean, I'm the person that like at the stoplight will be like flip on my phone. Flip. Who has a flip phone? You know what I'm saying. Push. (laughs) Like turn on my phone and scroll through real quick till I get a green light. It's sad. Yeah. It's crazy how much. Yeah. Another thing I do um, just during the week sometimes is I'll rearrange my app. If I feel like I just am duck looking at something and I don't even know what I'm looking at. You know, my thumb is engaged. My mind is not. That's right. A lot of times it's mindless. And so some, yeah. So sometimes I'll, I'll even rearrange my app and I'll go, I'll unlock my phone to call somebody and my thumb is trying to hit an icon that's not there. And I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Wait, why was I about to click on Instagram? I meant to call my mom. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Why'd I rearrange this so that I'm actually forcing myself to be present even with my phone? Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Um, okay. So, so the last question that I ask every guest is if you could go back in time five or 10 years and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I think I would tell even college me or even young, not, that was newly married me. No. Oh, my word. I'm old. Ten years ago, I was married. Oh, my word. I was thinking I was a newlywed five years ago. I was definitely five years into marriage five years ago. Whoa. Oh, that's crazy. Um, wow, I'm having a moment. Excuse me. <laughs> I think I would tell myself that it's okay to not know what you're doing. Part of me kind of thought when you turn 18 and then every year after that you just know how to do things you know how to be an adult Mm -hmm. when I got to college I would just know what I wanted to major in and then when I got my first job I would just know what to do and it just seemed like everybody else had it going on and I was like I don't know what the heck I'm doing yeah 
And now I realize nobody knows what they're doing. We all just make it up. That's so true. You know, but yes. it, it seems, especially with social media, you can look at somebody's life and think, I don't know how they have it all together. You're not seeing the 99 outtakes where just like you, they have no idea what they're doing and it's just okay. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times we think we have to know it all or we think that it's, our lives have to be grand to be important. We have to have a platform and we have to do cool things that other people can see. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, it's just not that way. Right. And you're just fine. It's fine. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to learn and God is going to take you every step of the way. Right. That's good. And it is one of those things where it's really easy to try to define yourself either by your platform or lack thereof or numbers or. Uh, I mean, like you were talking about at the very beginning yeah. or like for me, I've had a full-time job with kids, without kids. I've had, now I kind of do some contract work and even though money isn't, I don't know, it's not something that like drives me. It is something that I'm like, but is what I'm doing worthwhile if I'm not making it? Yes. <laughs> Which is interesting. I didn't expect to like find myself in that place. But even with this podcast, when I very first was doing it, I was like, should I be spending all this time doing it if there's nothing to show for it? And this, yeah, sweet, <laughs> this sweet, wise woman at my church was like, I would just encourage you and challenge you to, to think that just because something doesn't make money doesn't mean it's not meaningful. And not not to say that I couldn't monetize it or at some point make money off of it or any of that but that like to hold it with open hands and see like what is God leading you to and what is he saying about it because whether you make money on it or not it doesn't really matter you know I remember at our 10-year high school reunion you know one of my friends is a fashion blogger in New York and he's got like half a million followers on Instagram and he is sponsored by all these ridiculously awesome brands and he travels the world for a job and I literally had baby barf on my shirt <laughs> and when they would ask what I do I'm like I um <clears throat> I'm a mom I'm a mother you know <laughs> and <laughs> I just I remember struggling with that like what am I doing that is contributing like these people, you know, it felt so unglamorous. And then I get home and I look at my children and I, you know, it's all about perspective. And then you realize just how much you're doing. Yes. Race the future, which is men and women, by the way. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it's, it's true. I, and the nice thing about stopping and having people to help you stop when you're having those doubts and having people that will help you to think like, where are those, where are those insecurities coming from? And for me, for me, it's not even really the rest of the world. For me, it's like, I want my husband to think what I'm doing is worthwhile. And so maybe if I make money, he'll think that. And so what what that then gave me the opportunity to do was have that conversation with him and say like, I'm struggling with this because I feel like I want to impress you and I want to like yeah. be your bad A wife that like started right. this podcast and makes all this money. And uh, and that just gave us him the opportunity to say like, no, I'm not asking that of you. And like, yeah, maybe absolutely. this is just a ministry for you and things can totally be ministry and make money. I'm Yeah. But I don't know. I appreciate those conversations. Things a lot of times feel a lot bigger of a deal in our heads than they actually are. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What I do with my husband is I've never made money after (laughs) 
I mean, no, that's not true. Like speaking and stuff, but never like consistently. Once I had kids, I stayed home for the most part. Yeah. Um, but my version of that is I, I put on jeans before he comes home and I pretend like I haven't been wearing my pajamas all day. <laughs> that's right. So I put on jeans at five thirty. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, you look nice. I'm like, thanks. I've you know. <laughs> just been taking care of this lovely home all day. <laughs> Looking beautiful. And, and myself taking care of myself. Obviously look at me wearing jeans. So. <laughs> I've totally done that too. Yeah. Yeah. Or really quick, like spruce up. It's so funny what we do. But yeah, like really quick, like run and he through doesn't the care. Yeah, right. Derek, yeah. uh, whenever whenever I had first had our second kid, at the time I was still going to be going back to work, but I was on maternity leave and he would come and be like, What'd you do today? And I heard like, What did you not do today? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't have time to do anything but keep these kids alive and fed. All I am is like a milkmaid and like he's like well, <laughs> I was oh, just and, yeah but finally I was like I just feel like when you ask that like you're disappointed he's like no I'm I'm literally just like having to try to have a conversation right with you. right <laughs> right like so no it's not that I haven't done the dishes today it's that I have not done them again <laughs> right. I have not done them again today that's the kicker yeah, yeah. okay really quick if you have time uh can you tell us what your husband does for a living because I think it's really cool and if you don't oh have goodness. if you don't have time to talk about the color blind glasses, that's okay. But oh. if you do, then you got to share that too. And then we'll yeah, I do. I'm okay. good. I'm okay. good on time. Okay. Um. Yeah. So my husband works for Six Flags. Their corporate offices are here, and so he does the accounting for all of the Six Flags all over the world. I didn't know there were Six Flags all over the world. Yeah, I didn't know either. Do y'all get to go for free anytime you want, or what? Yeah, but it's not fun right now because our three-year-old is the worst at theme parks. So <laughs> okay. it's, it's really, our kids are not, like our older two are at a fun age, but my three-year-old is not at a fun age. So we don't go very often. Okay, yeah. Um, we do like double dates there sometimes, which is fun. That's so, y'all are so fun. As, with adults. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we take our friends to Six Flags. We don't really take our kids. That's a good, that's actually a good free little date night. Oh, it's a blast. I mean, when's the last time you rode a roller coaster with your best friend? Nope. It's been a while. It's been, been a minute. I don't know that I ever have actually. <gasps> See? Okay. It's, it's good, clean fun. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he works for Six Flags, but everyone... Like, especially our teenagers who don't understand how work works like a career at a corporate office. They think that he works at the park and that he, they're like, we're going on Saturday. Which ride are you at? You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't, that's not exactly. Yeah. It's so funny. So, so um, Taylor and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage. What, what? Yeah, I go. That's so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's mm-hmm. been great. And I like him even more now. That's a sign of a good marriage. <sighs> I love it. So we went on a trip a couple weeks ago and for in preparation for our trip and this momentous occasion, I finally bit the bullet and bought these Enchroma colorblind correcting sunglasses because Taylor is super colorblind. Okay. Yes. He can't see red and green, and he cannot see any red or green properties in other colors. Whoa. Right. He sees blue and then, like, puke yellow. Those are the two colors that he sees. Oh, it's so sad. (laughs) It's so sad. Yeah. And every time I tell people, I'm like, well, he's really colorblind. He says, I'm not really colorblind. She's exaggerating. Okay. Okay. Let me just 
you that I bought these glasses. I had no idea if it was going to work, but I bought them for our trip and he tried them on and got to see colors for the first time. And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Uh, Okay. I saw a little clip of the video. (laughs) My grown man husband was learning colors for the first time Uh. and freaking out over the color orange. And, and like, there was a bush whose leaves were turning colors and he just could not get over it. I mean, he, he would, he would have made out with that bush. Absorb this bush. You know, me, I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, I see bushes like that all the time. Watching someone marvel at colors. It was so incredible. That's so cool. And after he realized, after he wore them and figured out what color was what, I said, do you think you're colorblind now? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've been telling you that for a while now. He's like, I, I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, yeah, babe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, it's so cool. And what's crazy is I saw the little clip that you posted, and I wanted it to keep going on forever. Like I got, like, teary-eyed at the video, like I was watching a blind person see. <laughs> I know. It was like that. I mean, yeah. we went hiking, and he goes, whoa. Did you know that tree trunks and tree leaves are different colors? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little kid. I love it. He, he cut himself at one point and he started bleeding and he was obsessed with looking at the blood. He was like, oh, will you look at, this? are you seeing what I see? Is this, what see? Is this the color of blood? So crazy. Yeah. I didn't expect to be as emotional as I was. I mean, I was sobbing like a baby. Oh. Y'all, I have the video of Sarah's husband seeing color for the first time up on the website, headedsomeplace.com slash podcast. This vid is a Facebook video, and sometimes those are weird when you're not friends with them on Facebook, so you might have to click on it from your desktop. But anyway, I also have links to the organization she volunteers with, other things that we talked about, plus some extra Q&A with Sarah on the website and you'll see some pics of the tattoo that she made her son think that he grew which is awesome so go to headedsomeplace.com slash podcast special thanks today for music from thelightparademusic.com thank you for listening and i hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged